That's the road trek bell. And yeah, I'm sitting in the road trek. I <laughs> it got covered in snow. We had another snowfall. I just cleaned off my uh, wife's car thoroughly. Did a great job. And um, the Mazda that's parked in the driveway. The Toyota is now officially parked in the garage. And I'll only take it out if she's gone to work and we need the car. Uh, then I'll just back it straight out. Uh, shoveled off the front steps and then left the rest for my son to do when he gets up sometime this afternoon. I don't know when. Uh, yeah. So, 2021, here we are. Wow. Uh, I listened back. Uh, today was the first day in a very long while I did my exercises, uh, partly out of guilt um, the, and, and also the excuse, well, it's the holidays, you know, during the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, yeah, you know, everything goes to hell. You just, you know, you're eating too much. You're drinking a bit, uh, although very little, surprisingly very little for me. Wow. That, that's a good thing. Uh, anyway, today I did the exercises, the first round of it, and I hope I keep it up. And, uh, what got me through them was listening to my own last podcast, the one I put out for, uh, well, for New Year's, I guess, yeah. Um, two mistakes. I mentioned uh, back in the old days at the Dorval Garden Shopping Center, I was talking about how my mother bought our clothes through Simpsons. And I remember the excitement when the Simpsons or an Eaton's truck, but I think in our case it was more the Simpsons truck pulled up to the uh, front, you know, a panel truck, and a guy got out with, ooh, there's my new winter coat. And... Um, what else? Yeah, so anyway, I was talking about at Dorval Gardens, they had the Hudson's Bay, and it wasn't. It was first a Morgan's department store, Morgan's, and then it became a Hudson's Bay. I guess they bought out Morgan's, or I don't know the details. You don't need to know, but it was a mistake, and I wanted to correct the mistake. And the other one was I said Klein was the manager of the Beatles. I said it in passing, maybe a couple of years, kind of perked up. No, that's not right, or maybe... You know, you just listen. It's just a blur of words, and you never even heard that. But uh, no, of course, it was Brian Epstein. A very, very sad story. I was delighted to buy a um, a magazine, you know, the things with all the pictures and illustrations. <laughs> it wasn't a zine. It was a comic. But it wasn't really. Was it a manga? Anyway, an illustrated comic, very well done, about the life of uh, Brian Epstein. It was really good. I have it, I guess, in my basement bar. It's one I should treasure because it, it really was a sad story. I mean, he made the Beatles. They would have been nobody without him taking over as manager. He went. He was running a record store, heard that everybody wanted to hear one of the songs. I think it might have been Please Please Me. I can't remember which one. You could look it up if you want. Uh, and then went to see them at the Cavern Club. And, um, wow, said, hey, I could manage you guys. I think he had a crush on uh, John. Uh, he was a closeted, out-of-need homosexual at the time, and that was a price to pay on top of being Jewish and so on. It's just like he got a bad burn the way Yoko got a, you know, such a burn from so many early Beatles fans. But anyway... Enough of that. Those are just corrections from the previous podcast. That should be a <laughs> it should be a section I do on every podcast, except I don't always listen to my podcast. However, I will say proudly, I like the Dixon Janes podcast. I think it's a great podcast. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing that because, um, I, I mean, I do... You may not believe it, but I really do. I, I'm riddled with self-doubts. I have all my life. I uh, have been all my life. Uh, putting that book out was it was a huge step forward to saying, hey, it's okay. But I still, I wake up in the morning and think, oh, no. Uh, you know, that was, I, I don't know if I'm thinking it was a mistake, but 
I don't know. You know, the doubts are there. And the doubts are the things you have to fight in life. And it, a lot stems back. I hear anger in a lot of people. Um, it's it's always it's often disguised. What do you call that? Uh, I'm accused of it all the time. Passive aggressive comments that you make. And I know a lot of mine stems back to the need to be liked. And that would stem from... Sometimes people not liking me. And, I, and boy, I go back to that new school, Meadowbrook, grade five, new kid. And I I didn't play sports. And I was an outsider. And the girls liked me. I was popular. And I think there were a lot of guys, some of the even, you know, I, we didn't call them jocks at the time. But the guys who were into sports and good at baseball and running and punching people. <laughs> they, they, they weren't necessarily bullies, but they were of that personality. Um, and they didn't like me. I, 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 I know that. And uh, I don't think I ever got over that. Uh, and that's probably not the only instance. So that's the only, it's where, to me, I guess it was sort of a turning point of moving from the cozy, secure world of small town Valleyfield, Quebec, Going to school where everybody knew you and, and it was, you know, JK to graduation and my older brother and sister went there and, you know, we, we were, I was secure in that environment. And then suddenly moving to a suburb where I didn't know anybody, nobody knew me and I didn't know the games they played at recess or the, the things they did. Uh, I was frightened of the principal who was a, a meanie, Mr. Robert, kept kids after school. If you uh, made a mistake in spelling because his school was going to have perfect spellers, the asshole. And um, a gym teacher who just shouted at you. And I, my God, you know, why? Uh, that was just terrifying. Like, you know, why would he be shouting that to the boys, you know? <laughs> it just it was, I came home and I cried every day, grade four. Yeah, that transition to living in, uh, we only lived there for a year. It set a lot of things in motion. My father, I guess, rented a house, 147 Sunnyside Avenue, just off Cool Breeze in, uh, I guess it was called Lakeside Heights. Um, just suburbs, island of Montreal. And... um I made a few friends there, and that was okay, but I had to take a bus to school and a bus home. Had a friend up the street, I think I mentioned him, John Griffiths. That's the name that comes. And he wore watches, broken watches on his ankles and wrists. Uh, we never quite knew why. Uh, and then he died. He died, and I guess my mother got the phone call, and I, and I don't quite know how she explained it to me, but suddenly he wasn't going to be going to school with me anymore. Ah, oh, that was the first time I can remember I punched somebody, some other kids to a little party for me. I was leaving, you know, I hadn't earned a party. I hadn't even been there a year. And um, there was a big hill at Cool Breeze. You could toboggan down the hill and a little bit of a woods. You know, there were still woods in those days you could play in as kids. And some kids to a party or, you know, gave me a used matchbox toy or something. And then some other kids came and they were going to wreck the party. And I'm pretty sure I punched one of them. And then maybe later we were all friends again. <coughs> and uh, anyway, and then to Lachine, 48th Avenue, where a lot of my letters in the book are addressed to, in my parents' home. And uh, that was starting off into uh, Meadowbrook Elementary School, grade 5. And then on to uh, Lachine High. Uh, yeah, one transition year at Summerlee, which was close, but I was living, we were living in Beaconsfield at that point. And I had to, my father drove us in in the morning and then I had lunch with my grandmother who lived down the street, Granny Luscombe, who would uh, make tomato soup with me with a cigarette dangling from her, black cat cigarette dangling from her mouth over the gas stove, which I'd never seen before, and uh, just those images, and then I'd walk back up the street. She lived on 47th Avenue at the time. School was on 48th. And uh, and then I guess I had to take a long bus ride home to Point Clare, Beaconsfield. Uh, that was okay. That was okay. It was just, I think the discovery in Meadowbrook that there are some kids who 
didn't like me. I, and, and that's where we started. And that's all. And, and, and I guess the thing is, you're left sort of proving, hey, I'm okay. You're the, you're the stupid assholes, not me. You are. Uh, and I, and I, think, I think that's happened to a few friends I know. Uh, and it's not an uncommon thing, and and you spend a lot of the rest of your life trying to prove you're you're okay, you're a good guy, you can do things, you're not so bad. They were wrong. Uh, you are likable, and uh, anyway, so here we are. <laughs> that was a little tangent. I'm in the road track, as I said. It's uh, it's snowed. It's quite lovely, and uh, I just wanted to start off. I. Um, first official podcast of the new year, 2021. And uh, all is well. I'm feeling good. I, I, I got up early enough, made coffee. Uh, it's a Saturday. I did my exercise, shoveled a little bit. I'm feeling healthy and fresh and positive. And I am trying to, you know, you always start off the new year trying to be positive and do things and, and do the right thing. And, uh, clean up and do the exercise and, and be positive. Uh, and it's easy at the start of the year to do that. It doesn't take long to fall out of that pattern. But I'm trying to pay a little more attention to what I eat and drink and and sort of listening to the the intuition, the inner voice that says, no, this is the right thing to do. You know, you don't need that beer or uh, – you put down, turn off the TV. You don't need more news. You can catch it later. Why don't you read a little bit now? Those kind of voices. Um, I finished off, by the way, yeah, the book that I finished off, the, ugh, no point in telling you now because I don't have the names of it, but it turned out it was a good read and I picked up the second one and I'll come back later on and I'll tell you who's the author and um, I'll find a home for the book somewhere. They're hardcovers. I don't want to keep them. I, I have my library of books that I keep that I consider literature, but like popular fiction and detective novels, I really don't need to keep. Scarborough Dude, signing out from The Road Trek. Back at you very soon. It's uh, probably only five minutes since I made that last clip you just heard about the uh, finding these, looking for signposts. And I got driven away from that beautiful spot because all kinds of cars are going up. I think sometimes there's weddings and church services and all kind of churchy-looking middle-class people were showing up in their vans, and it just bugs me. I didn't belong there anymore, and I got driven out, and uh, I will get to the driven away from your spot story a little later on. That one was more fun. That took place in the Temple of Mexico, but uh, I digress. I realized just now that I'm doing these podcasts because I have to do them. I, I, it's an overpowering urge. I just have to. It's not that I need to, or that, well, yes, it is I need to. Uh, what am I saying? I'm saying that I really want to, and maybe that's what I'm afraid of. I'm a little bit afraid that they're going to become too important to me, that I'm going to need you, the listener, too much. I'm going to need to keep doing them, and that's what I'm afraid of, and maybe that's why I'm talking about stopping. It's like a a drug habit that, no, man, you got, you got to quit. you got to give up. you got to let go. And I'm afraid that I won't be able to stop doing the podcast. I know that's got to sound so damn stupid, but I'm afraid it's going to be too important to me and too much of who I am and my sense of identity and self-worth and everything else is going to be tied up in these podcasts. And I'm scared shitless of that happening, that this will become who I am, this disconnected voice coming to you from the dark, from the ether, will be just too damn important. And um, 
I don't want to let that happen. I'm afraid to let that happen. I'm afraid of what that means. Hello, hello, hello. Are you there? Yeah, Scarber Dude from St. Andrew's Cemetery. I I don't even know why I'm here. Plan was to go home and record from the road track, but uh, I was out to mail a couple of letters, handwritten the old-fashioned way. And, uh, yeah, the post office is in Shoppers Drug Mart. Same one where um, I mailed the iPhone from that never arrived, mailed November 13th, last seen November 17th, and still... No reply from Canada Post, other than we've got a ticket open for you. Um, I mailed a copy of my book also from the same post office by Express Post to Barnacle Bill in uh, Vancouver, guaranteed delivery by a certain date. Uh, He was supposed to get it on December 23rd, and it arrived today, which is July, uh, January the 5th, I believe, yeah, 2021. January 5th. So late. And so I just filed, you know, if you're, you know, there's a, you go on the post office website and state your case. Here's the tracking number is when it, you know, hadn't arrived yet. And um, I got a reply and just says, sorry, uh, we're not, (laughs) basically, we're not accountable um, during this time. Like, forget it, buddy. Hey, so things are slow. Too bad. You know, they they could have told you that in advance. I paid extra, of course. Uh, They should at least refund the difference between, you know, extra mail that you paid for uh, express post and regular postage. Uh, He did get it today. So he got it. Uh, The iPhone was never seen. And like that bothers you because it just means I've got to be the one to go back and start a case and file a claim and do whatever is necessary, you know, it'll take forever and then get that money in Canadian dollars and transfer it to Japan somehow. But, uh, yeah, I know rich people's problems. Um, I was in the shopper's drug mart, as I just mentioned, and just as I was leaving, there was a big fuss, a lot of noise, two people's voices. And I, going up the aisle, and finally I see this one guy at the counter. It hurt, you know. She pushed it right into my crotch. It hurts. You get hit in the crotch, it hurts. You know, sounding a little bit stupid in a very loud voice to the cashier, of course, who had nothing to do with this, just trying to ring up whatever it was he bought. Um, And then another lady in the background, an elderly black woman with a, a walker, I'm old and I can't walk, you know. You're rude. You're very rude. And I'm on the side of the old lady, <laughs> being old myself and uh, needing walking assistance. Um, but it, it just seems so sad. Like there was nothing, there was no way to resolve that, you know, bring them together, shake hands, you know. She's going to go home. Some guy in the post office was rude to me today and maybe, you know, lump a lot of young white people together. He's going to lump a lot of old black people together. They're going to each leave with perhaps their prejudices. And maybe I'm projecting too far here, but it just, it just, oh my God, there's a little bump in the grocery store. And, and, you know, if she had hit him, he might, he might, humor was the only answer. Oh, lady, please be careful with that, you know, and uh, not, shouting at her. Uh, I just think there was a lot more baggage that he was carrying maybe than she was. But anyway, it just, it just, you know, my God, you know, people, you're in a store, you can get anything you want in that store at a reasonable price. We're living, well, you can't say in the lap of luxury because, you know, it doesn't mean they all have money, but you know what I mean. It's in a civilized nation, not at war. Okay. That's, that's not always a given. And it's just sad that, you know, things like this. I guess it was accentuated because there was a long lineup for the post. Well, I say long. There was four people in front of me. And then by the time I got out of there, there was more lined up. Uh, it's always busy. It's a convenient location, McCowan and Lawrence. Um, but it seemed to be taking for 
ever and just not moving and i you know i'm thinking okay okay just wait calmly you know you're you're comfortable you know you're okay just be calm take your time you know you can't rush people at the post office when it's your turn she'll treat you nicely and you'll get these letters mailed and everything will be fine just stay calm but i'm not staying calm i'm getting impatient and i want to lean around the corner and look and finally i hear the post office clerk say could could you move over please and by the time I, I'm in visual line with the, the clerk, there's a man wearing a huge coat. I guess a huge, low squat kind of, you know, man. All you can see is this big coat. You you can't you don't see much else than a hat. Uh, and there's a cane waiting on a table. And I, of course, right away I assume it's his. And he is there five minutes beside the lady who's trying to get her thing done at the post office going in and out of all his pockets and finally after searching the same pockets again and again and again and again and again and he's just he's there and I'm just irritated by him oh my god leave will you and it's not he's not even holding up the line anymore but he's right there in that space and he pulls up a bus transfer and then he starts shuffling off and grabs his cane. And he can bear, it's just one shuffle, a baby step, baby step, baby step. Close within inches of everybody in the line. He's not making way for anybody. He's just got to come right wherever you are. He's where he's got to walk. And I'm feeling very impatient and have no compassion whatsoever for that poor old man. Like, I just, oh, just get the fuck out of here, will you? And I know it's kind of related to the other scene, and maybe that's why it, it stuck out more, because I thought, where is compassion here? Where is caring? Where is people just cooling it? Uh, where is love? Oh, my God, there was no love in that post office today. And it was just, it was, it was all so sad. And, and you know, I'm... I'm down on myself too because I I was I had these feelings I didn't mutter them I didn't say anything I, under my breath I was under my breath I mean I was saying not not even under my breath in my head I was saying oh just get the fuck out of here just get the fuck out of here and I don't know whether I should feel bad about that or think hey Ken that's just normal you came out on an errand you just want to mail your letters you don't want to deal with any other shit you know. So, yeah, I guess the, the scorecard is neutral, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to tell you a worse story. If, if uh, Yeah, I will, because <laughs> this will be the bummer segment of uh, this podcast, whatever number it is, uh, two, five, uh, two something or other. Where are we? Dixon Jane's here. 825, yeah. Um, if you're in Calgary, uh, as Eric and Michelle are, You'll know there was a police officer killed, uh, dragged away by a car that took off when it was stopped at a police check, you know, safety check. And uh, apparently the headlights weren't on. There's a young teenage driver behind the wheel and somebody else in the passenger seat who apparently um, had charges against him, assault charges, failure to appear in court, four warrants out for his arrest. And he didn't want to be caught. So he told the driver, step on it, get out of here. Well, the policeman somehow was still attached to the car at the driver's window or holding on or whatever. He got dragged and eventually as the car booted it, he was sort of tossed into oncoming traffic uh, and died within an hour of that incident. Uh, a man who had just learned that his wife was pregnant with their first child, which he was so much looking forward to. A man who served in the armed forces, loved his job as a police officer, just 37 years old. And it's a sad story. They show the pictures of the two youths. They show both of them with the names, uh, both Arabic sounding names. I don't know if that's the right term. Um, one seventeen, and then the next day, once they had turned themselves in, or a day or two later, um, they dropped the name because he's was seventeen. He'll be eighteen by yeah, I think this week or something. Um, and because he's a young offender, you're not supposed to broadcast the name. The nineteen-year-old was the one who was in trouble, and 
there's this lack of balance. Here's a guy who's died. Here's a, a, a woman needing her husband. Here's a baby who's going to grow up and, well, where's daddy? Well, there is no daddy. Daddy was killed by two guys out in the car who sped off, you know, because they didn't want to be stopped by the police. And uh, you don't have a daddy. And it just seems so wrong. And again, it's it's the inner voice. Like when I saw the pictures, I hated both the guys. I see the picture, picture of the officer, 37, clean cut, nice looking guy. I know his backstory. I feel some compassion for him, for his wife. For these two young guys, you fuckers, you stupid fuckers. You've killed somebody who is contributing to the community. And the other voices. The other voices that say, oh, is that your bias? Is that your prejudice? Was it because they were, maybe they were Muslims? Is it because they were Arabic? Because they were maybe new Canadians? Why is it you're not treating them the same way you're treating him? Well, because they killed the fucker. But there's a sense of, and maybe that's why I was so resistant to the last book club we did. Is it, are, are we supposed to feel guilty for harboring such feelings? Am I supposed to correct myself because I'm on the side of the cop and not these two young fuckers who just destroyed the lives of, of his parents who would, would, you know, who will be grandparents, but without the son around to appreciate it, the wife, to all these other people, to the people who were served in the community? Well, and, you know, somebody would argue, somebody in the social Studies field might argue, well, let's look into the lives of those two young men and see what happened there. And if you knew more about them other than just their pictures, their mugshots and their names, would you maybe balance the scale a little bit to have compassion on both sides? Maybe if you knew one was abused, one was suffered in school, one had a learning disability and was teased mercilessly. Uh, one had a father who beat him, or whatever the case. If you knew more about them, would it change things? And the answer is yes, it would. But when you're just watching the news, <laughs> you know, you, you 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 form your opinions. And I and I guess I'm just saying we have to remind ourselves that we don't have all the information, and and you know. It just harkens back to the old days. Yeah, she's a witch, kill her, you know. Hang him! He's a horse thief! And you got to wait, wait, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you sure about that? And, and what else is there to this story? And what is justice? So anyway, moving on, I made a decision, and I announced it to somebody who's involved in the book study group, that I will not be reading Emergent Strategy. Uh, a book by Adrian Marie Brown, uh, which is aimed at people involved in trying to make a better world. Uh, but in particular, I believe people who um, are in the field of, you know, raising funds, uh, working on organizations that, um, um, you know, benefit the, the community, uh, essentially, Emergent Strategy offers a pattern, language, and non-linear playbook for waging love in dark, uncertain times. As such, it is a must-read for any pragmatist seeking to develop the practical skills and expanded awareness needed to transform grief and trauma into hopeful movements for regeneration. It offers a fresh view into timeless strategies for transformational leadership inspired by living systems. Well, I read all that. I read it again and tried to read again uh, about it and was just about to say, all right, just hit pay on uh, uh, now that I have that money in my, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Amazon account, just hit pay and order the book. And then the other voice said, no, I just, that's not what I want to read right now. I don't want to read that book. I don't want to think those ways. I don't think this book is going to speak to me now. Um, and so I went and, and read, okay, what are the negative reviews? And there were a lot of them. Um, 
that I found helpful. It, it helped me justify. Again, it's that balance, you know. Here's a should. I should read this book. I should join the book club. They've chosen this specifically. Uh, I usually do the the uh, page, the uh, blogger for this. I should be involved. But I wanted not to. And so I gave myself permission by reading all the bad reviews. And then, of course, I read some of the good reviews, too. Um, I wish I had the bad reviews here so I could share with you why I'm not going to. Uh, all I'm looking at are the good ones. It's a brilliant, poetic, and practical manual for facilitating and running meetings, uh, groups, companies, and campaigns. Okay, that's that's enough right there. I'm not facilitating and running meetings or groups or companies and campaigns. That's I'm not doing that. If I was in a position, as these people are the leaders of this uh, book study are, it might speak very well to them, but it just doesn't speak to me. Uh, this book is highly recommended for any leader that plans to transition to the nonprofit sector or sharpen their skill set as a leader. No, no, no. Anyway, I thought I'd share that with you because it was a big decision for me to say, no, um, I, I don't want to, thank you. Perhaps human core function is to love. Love leads us to observe in a much deeper way than any other emotion. I'm sure if I did read it, here, here's the thing. If I did buy the book and I did read it, I would also be saying, oh, I'm glad I did this. That was the right decision to buy it. Just as I'm now saying, I'm glad I didn't do this. It was the right decision not to buy it. Like they sort of they cancel out. And it really, in a way, doesn't matter one way or the other. Uh, but I have other things to read. I have other things to think about, other things to do. Um, and I just thought I would share that with you. Uh, I'm so looking forward to getting my new revised copy of the book tomorrow. Uh, and it's just, again, it's just the cover to make sure to hope it's proper and straight and corrected. And there were a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of minor changes and some pictures added and so that I can go ahead and order a stack of them and uh, and distribute. Uh, by the way, I did have my dentist cleaning yesterday. She was so nice. And by the end of it, we were talking. She's a very shy person. And it was a wonderful conversation with my dental hygienist. And I thought, oh, you know, I should gift her a copy of this book. But uh, I don't know. It just seemed some of the things we were talking about had some relevance. All right, Scarborough Dude signing out from uh, the park here. I don't know. I Oh, yeah. I haven't thought about supper. Often it's sort of just, no, I don't know. Like last night, Monday night is always, or very often Monday night is ding-ho. Uh, for $20, the, it feeds the three of us, and there's always some left over for the next day or in the middle of the night if my son raids the fridge at 3 a.m. Um, but tonight I have no ideas, and, and I feel bad she's coming home from work to leave it to her. I look, I, I always buy frozen things you can put in, a frozen chicken pie or something, and she doesn't really care for those that much. And so I think, well, you know, um, I don't know what else to do. So there's a leg of lamb. I'm trying to kind of thinking I'm going to save that for tomorrow and actually cook the lamb tomorrow. Although I could do it today. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I can hear you shouting at me. Just do something. Don't leave it for your wife. You're right. Thank you. Balance. It's all about balance, boys and girls. Scabber dude. Ooh, ooh, I put the bell away too soon. Signing off from uh, the fogged up car here at the uh, grave site. Bye for now. Oh, P.S. Um, you may have heard a clip of me that was recorded 15 years ago, I think it was episode 39, uh, of me sort of saying, I, I like this podcasting too much, I don't know if I can stop. I think I've played it again probably recently, maybe within the past couple of years. But uh, it just, I found it again, and every time I find it, I think, oh, that's unusual. I knew that then, and uh, so that's what that was. Scrubber Dude signing out, bye for now. Check, check. Good morning. And it is a good morning, or I feel that way anyway. I think because I had two appointments this week, uh, dental cleaning on the Monday, and as I may have mentioned, 
uh, it was an enjoyable experience because I like the person, my uh, dental hygienist, and we, we actually had a real talk, and that was wonderful. And then today, it was the uh, knee doctor, just follow up on the surgery. I had to have an x-ray, and he looked at the x-ray uh, and uh, said, oh, it's wonderful. It's great, you know. And then got me to show my knee and bend it this way, bend this, bend. Oh, that's wonderful. And it was all positive. Like, he was clearly pleased. But I think also with good doctors, part of their job is to make you feel better. And he, of course, did that. Now, I also make a point with every doctor's visit of saying good things to them. Thank, I thank you. And in his case, I thank you for your training and your experience. You've, you, you know, I don't have any pain anymore. I'm very grateful. And, and you know, it, it's sort of a two-way thing. You develop a bit of a relationship that way. Uh, but I, I meant it sincerely. I mean, here's a guy, not that old, but he's a specialist in, in knee surgery. You know, he puts in artificial knees. And by God, uh, although I have these complicating factors, the drop foot and neuropathy, um, I don't have knee pain anymore. And it was excruciating up until, you know, just before the surgery, just with every step. That's that's wonderful. So anyway, uh, it, it was just happy, happy all around. So that that's a good way to start. And that's, that's the end of my appointments for the month. You know, I think I've got a, a Zoom to appear on at the end of the month or something else. And... Uh, that's about it. And that's kind of a good feeling, too. No worry about this summer's upcoming tour and where I'm going to find those host families and so on. Oh, God, what a relief. So, listen, I'm going to do something here without permission, but I think Glenn would be uh, forgiving, understanding. Glenn is the uh, Dixon Jane's listener out in Winnipeg. I've mentioned him before. Uh, he is the one, you can curse him if you want. He is the one responsible for me doing the two-volume set of my favorite cowboy music uh, under the name of uh, Cowboy Candy. Uh, because he likes country and western music, and I'm, I'm, he encouraged me, and, and I'm glad. I had fun. I, I, I didn't get any feedback on that. I don't think anybody else enjoyed it, but I sure did. It was a great experience, and Glenn probably did, too, of going through my favorite tunes uh, back on, and they were put out under, uh, you know... I was going to up in this brain. No, the other one, uh, up in this music. So <laughs> uh, name that tune. You know the one I'm talking about anyway. The ones who are not allowed to play fucking music anymore, for Christ's sake. And by the way, this may be my first non-music podcast. I know when I was in Japan or traveled over elsewhere, sometimes there would not be music. Uh, but I, it's just that I've already gobbled up so much time, uh, and I have more to say. Um, I want to get back to Glenn um, is the only person who had special access to a PDF version of this um, um, a book, Waiting for Now, uh, because Glenn is blind. Uh, I don't know if there's another way I should be saying that, you know seeing impaired, sight impaired. But anyway, uh, so he needs it machine read. And fortunately, we took care of that problem. And uh, he just ordered a hard copy of the book anyway, which was uh, very sporting of him. Um, and I want to read out what he wrote. Uh, and Glenn, forgive me if this is going over a line. I, I hope not. I think you... I think you'll be forgiving, but if not, call me and I'll take the whole episode down. Um, I have begun reading it and have gone through two letters so far. I'm guessing maybe he's reading it in order, uh, which is random order. I think this is going to be an experience to savor. Your advice to read in small bits is a good one. Weirdly, as I read the letters, regardless of the synthesized voice reading it to me, I hear your voice, your voice as it was in the mellow measured tone from the knee operation recovery episodes from the hospital. Wow. Wow. I suspect it's that tone as you seem to be in a reflective safe zone at the time. I wonder if that voice will change as I read more letters. I wonder if those of us 
who have the advantage of listening to your podcasts will have similar audio experiences of hearing your voice as we read. The letters which refer to stories you have told on the podcast are especially interesting as I can fill in background and perspective perspective to the immediate details given in the letter. The letters bring a colorful and immediate feeling to the stories. It is an interesting combination. This is going to be an amazing journey. I thank you for taking the time to assemble and deciding to offer this up for people to read. Glenn. Well, Glenn, I thank you so much for that. And I'm I'm sharing it because it touched my heart, as as you've done on a few occasions. uh, You know, it's just... Honestly, uh, to have any listeners, but to have listeners who who, who care and, and take note, it's just incredible. It's just the whole new depth and meaning to this whole experience, this sharing that we're doing. So, uh, yeah, I want to put that out there. And uh, I look forward to if anybody else has read the book and has other comments, you do not have to. Uh, well, I may start sucking up and uh, asking for them so I can plug this once I order the new copies, which, by the way, my new copy should arrive today. I better get home. I'm in um, Thompson Park. i feeling I should take a walk around just to try out this knee. In fact, I'm obliged. Oh, my gosh. Two little twins, Chinese background, Chinese heritage. I mean, just the cutest faces, tiny little tots in matching snowsuits. So, so cute. Just that little eight toddler, you know, like three. They can walk, but just these tiny little steps following with their mom and dad in their nice snowsuits with toques and hoods. Oh, it's so cute. It's just lovely. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to take a walk around just to try and stay on this in this positive space I'm feeling in right now. And uh, again, to thank you, I, I found it particularly interesting, Glenn, talking about the tone of my voice when I was in the hospital because it is odd. But that was definitely one of the highlights of the year. Not the surgery itself, but the care I got, the security, the comfort, that whole time in rehab. It was just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation like that. But every encounter, everybody to talk with, every every moment of that time was the most pleasurable experience. You know, that's not something you always associate with uh, recovering from surgery. But it, it just was. And, and the steps, you know, the help I needed one time to have a shower, then gradually being able to do it on my own and the the rehab people okay we're going to try this today and you know check you know put a tag on your walker to see if yeah you're allowed to go out on your own in the hallway and uh, the care and again it's it's like with the doctor today it's it's to live in a society in a country at a time when there is compassion every once in a while you get you watch an old dickens film or something or you i was watching something about prince albert a documentary of Victorian times and the horror if you were poor of your children dying of you know tuberculosis and other diseases no place to live cramped all together in rooms spreading of diseases the horror the horror and he even though a, a you know a royalist a prince um drawing up plans to say well how can we actually better the lives of these people and provide education and so on. And I'm not, this is not a defense of the monarchy at all. This is just um, people caring about people. And uh, gosh, I'm I'm just grateful to live in this time and this place. So thank you very much. Enough gushing on. Uh, I will take my walk now. And uh, yeah, if there's no music here, so be it. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm never going to play music on the Dixon James podcast again. I just discovered I have Super Tramp's Crime of the Century I've been listening to and re-put on uh, Express by Love and Rockets and just rekindle the love I have for that uh, that group. In fact, there's a song I wanted to play uh, that one on the moon, you know, take me to the moon. What is it? Um, uh, do, 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 do. Uh, oh, my mind. Yeah, yeah, American Dream. Holiday on the Moon. I've played it before. 
I think that is like a Beatles song. In fact, yeah, I'm going to have to play that damn song. <laughs> We've heard it a few times already on this podcast. But what amazed me as I listened on the drive today was how do they do this? It's it's the singing. Yeah. Okay, good. That takes harmonies. Yeah. The instrumentation. Yeah. Playing those guitars, those sounds. But how do you compose? How do you imagine? How do you dream up? How do you envision a song? It, it's beyond me. I, I have no, I'm, I'm in the negative zone of understanding of music. Like it's just, I, I don't. I, I love it, but it's the same, you know, I can't paint. Never mind, never mind, never mind. It's just, I'm blown away by this. And I thought that tune in particular could easily have been a Beatles tune if the Beatles had stayed together. Only I'm just guessing they would have made it just a little bit better. Maybe in the guitar, maybe in the harmony, maybe in the voices, maybe in John adding something. Just, maybe just a touch, a fraction better. However, please enjoy once more on the Dixon James podcast by my group, Love and Rockets, the one I just rediscovered and just rekindled my love for them, Holiday on the Moon. Bye for now.
yeah, we'll just do the one ring today. Um, lots to cover in a very short time, so uh, we'll see where we get to. Um, first off, okay, I've got a coffee in front of me, an A&W. They're doing a little promotion here. There. So they're offering free coffees until January the 17th. So there's one right here at Markham and Lawrence, uh, my neighborhood. Ooh, that's hot. Mm, not bad. I asked for black because once you get cream in it, you can't even taste. Although I should have got cream on the side to compare. But anyway, medium coffee, uh, piping hot, nice cup, easy to use lid. Mm. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, no. I don't know that I'd pay for it, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's uh, not a bad option. So it's promotion. I guess they're just trying to, you wonder how can they make money, but, um, cause there's not that many A&Ws around. And then you've got to compete with McDonald's and, and Tim Hortons and McDonald's is often giving free coffees and there's always a senior's coffee deal and so on. But, uh, anyway, all right, it was worth trying. I'll probably do it again sometime. Uh, I am parked outside the Shoppers Drug Mart. Uh, same one, same mall, Plaza. It's a really weird one. Markham and Lawrence, it's notorious for, you know, stabbings and things in this area. Crime, there's a lot of uh, housing, apartment buildings around here. So even though... It's not, not far from my house. It's a very different vibe, different feeling. It's commercial. Um, I get my local pizzas here, uh, although I've been called out on that, you know. Why would you order from Pizza Pizza? Because it's cheap, it's friendly, it's fast. The people there are nice. Uh, I imagine they're the franchise owners or working for them. It seems part of the same family. Uh, anyway... I don't have to defend my pizza choices. We're not going gourmet. Sometimes you just want to go, just go grab a pizza today, right? We're out of time. I got to watch this shit show in United States unfolding. That was last night. So that's the uh, next topic. My God. Like, how they allowed this to happen. Now, you all know what I'm talking about, of course. Uh, but if, if there's a future listener, this was the day that... Um, Biden was supposed to have been approved officially uh, in the, um, you know, the is it the Senate building uh, run by the uh, vice president to say, yep, we've counted the electoral votes and he is the winner. And what's her name's the vice president? Bam. Uh, and instead, Trump had fired up his troops and um, they had planned this. For a very long time. If you can stop this thing from happening, then he's not officially going to be the president, you know. Um, and so they did. They stormed in, uh, broke windows and doors. Uh, one woman was shot. Uh, apparently three others died outside, but of other health-related issues or something. I don't know. But a shit show on this democracy. And the people who went in, holy fuck! White guys holding rebel flags, uh, dressed in weird gear, and there was nobody to stop them. There was the, the Capitol Hill police force, far outnumbered. This was in fucking intentional. Like, everybody knew this was going to happen. Trump tells him, march, I'll be with you. I'll be marching down there. Of course, he wasn't. He was hiding in his fucking office after this speech. But these people just stormed the barricades. There's a handful of police trying to stop them. A few were knocked down. The barricades pushed back. They're climbing walls. They're up on scaffolds. They're smashing their way in. There's nobody to stop them. This was all set up. This was all predicted. All this. You know, and, and of course, the comparison. At first, I wondered, oh, come on, come on. This is not about Black Lives Matter. Well, yes, it was, it turned out, because had it been a group of black people fighting injustice, they're the stormtroopers would be out holding them at bay, shots would be fired. 
These were white Trump supporters. Holy fuck. I mean, I kid you not. This is just, I can't remember. I mean, I've seen a lot of shit. But this was incredible. It, it was like a party. They went in, they're smiling, they're grabbing tables, they're breaking into offices, stealing things, and they walk out. I think a handful maybe got arrested later. But this was planned. This was, the doors were basically left open for them to do this. And, of course, they got control eventually. Uh, the various people who had to uh, carry out these duties under Mike Pence came back. And now, officially, as of 4 a.m. this morning, um, Biden will be the next president. And what's her name? You know, I just keep forgetting. I know who she is. Um, will be the vice president. And the great news is now it's 50-50 in the Senate. And that means the vice president has the deciding vote and they have control. Biden can actually, his administration can actually do things now. Mitch fucking pig ass face McConnell is out. God damn. How can how do Canadians get so wild up about American politics? Well, for good reason. <laughs> I just can't tell you. <laughs> I honestly, it, it just it, I, I was flabbergasted watching this unfold. Um disgusting. Absolutely disgusting that this was not prevented when it could have been and should have been. Uh, and and the fact that it just happened because they are Trump supporters and, you know, he's calling the shots. Um, anyway, he was banned on Twitter and banned on Facebook. I'm just probably back now. Uh, calls to have him impeached, calls to have him taken out under Section 25 or whatever, uh, which would take far too long and would cause more uprising. It's just not worth it. We've only got two weeks left. Let him ride it out. Don't let him push the uh, nuclear button. Uh, let, let him just go and play fucking golf and be done. And then, God damn, would I love to see that man in handcuffs and taken off to jail. But you know with his team of lawyers, although they're abandoning ben, abandoning him too. It's just too much. I mean, it was it was just incredible. And once more, holy fuck, what, what does it feel to be American? I don't know anymore. Um, now, the weird thing is those people and millions of others feel they're in the right. This is a, a badge to be proud of. You know, hey, we knocked down the White House. We, we are the, the, the Senate. We got in. We did this. And they will have the same sense of pride that people who protested in Vietnam and maybe, you know, maybe burned down a building or two, burned their draft cards, uh, staged protests against the Vietnam War. Those people have a sense of pride of being on the right side of history. Well, the trouble is these people also have that same feeling. And this is what's going to be so hard to fix. You can't just shame these people and say, no, hey, this is not what democracy is about. This is not how it works. They are convinced as Trump has told them, the election was stolen. It was stolen from me. I should be president. I should have won. <sighs> anyway, let's let that go. You've heard enough. I've heard enough. I've had enough. Um, one more thing. Final thing. The earbuds. Remember, I talked for weeks, whined for weeks about these damn white earbuds. I really like my Apple ones, the ones that can still have the old, you know, the, the little plug that plugs into anything. The round thing, you, you know the technical term. Um, they showed up. And I've been saying for weeks, I'll never find them again. I must have lost them the day that lady littered uh, Thompson Park. Uh, yeah, that, they fell in my pocket. I was so angry. Um, no, they were deep <laughs> inside my chair. You know you know how things sort of fall out of your pockets and get down cushions and, and they just get buried there? with peanuts and pennies and everything else. Well, not pennies. All right, nickels and dimes. <laughs> Although there are probably pennies, too, because that's how long it's been 
since we've done a deep search. Anyway, I found them and I'm delighted and I can hear properly. They, it's un, I gave my son back. Those were his, um, the backup pair that I had and he was happy to have. Oh, how did you, where did those come from, you know? So I had got them from him somehow. All right, back to my coffee. Uh, boys and girls, this will mark the end of this particular Dixon Jane's podcast. Uh, I pushed the button that I mentioned probably already. Yeah, I ordered 50 copies of the book. I just went to UPS and to mail two of them to Ottawa to my brother and sister would cost like $35, $32, something like that. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, it's it's cheaper to drive down and distribute some auto. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a, a call to if anybody wants to meet me in Ottawa for a coffee. And now Mark Blevis is five six episodes behind, so he'll never get this message. Um, but anybody else, I think it's safe to meet for a coffee or just stay in your car, drive a drive through parking lot, get your coffees. And uh, shout at each other through the windows. I can toss the book in your open window. Um, And I have a PayPal account that works beautifully. $20 for the book if it's a handoff in person. Yeah. All right. Scarborough Dude, signing off from Dixon Jane's number uh, 825. Was there anything else I needed to uh, share? No. No. Oh, yeah. A settler. I'm not a settler. My great-grandfather was a settler. My father wasn't. My grandfather wasn't. But I think my great-grandfather, or it might have been even great-great, but I think at least we'll go as far as great-grandfather, settled in the uh, Ottawa Valley, Pembroke, Ontario. We still have a copy of the deeds. Uh, They were settlers. I am not a settler. I'm Canadian-born. I'm a Canadian. You know, I'm I'm a wasp. You can throw lots of labels at me. I'm trying to adapt to the new terminology. I don't identify as they or I don't need a pronoun. It's just me, Ken, Scarborough dude. Um, But some people who are championing uh, Native rights and, and treaties and so on think we should be identify ourselves as settlers that's who we are there we're settlers i'm not a fucking settler it drives me nuts i own up to my settler heritage proud of it wow to be a settler that was scary i mean they were afraid of the native people some of them for good reason not everybody some of them live side by side cheek by jowl in um, pembroke and those areas they were afraid of wolves at the door literally um, they did lots of things. Um, they were probably fine with that label. Yeah, sure, I'm a settler, come from Ireland. Uh, well, it's not an Irish accent, but uh, heck, we were starving there. Um, so, but I don't identify as a settler, sorry. I, I'm not going to wear that fucking label. Jesus, what a note to end on, eh? Well, let's just ring the bell and be done with it. And that's weird. I had an email from uh, Ted at Island Radio talking about only wanting to do podcasts when he feels like it, and that's quite right. And that's exactly, that's the way it should be. You know, I would never be, I'm I'm doing it every week, but if it happens to be a Sunday when I start, which is today, or a Wednesday, or Thursday, or Friday, I try to get one up every week, but I do it, and I do the pieces when I feel the urge. And that's great. It allows me a lot of freedom. It might make for a bit of a mixed-up, chopped-up, tossed salad of a podcast, but that's what works for me, and that's what I've got to go by. And uh, if I don't feel like doing them, I just won't do them. But the problem is I know that I will, or fear that I will always feel like doing them and won't be able to let go. Isn't that funny? Well, there you go. That seemed to be one more thing I really had to say, and now that I've said it, it doesn't seem very significant or very important at all, but I've done it, and we'll carry on and see where this gets us. Huh? Stay tuned, because it ain't over yet. <laughs>